0: Geopolitics and Empire is joined by James Polis, who is co-founder of the American Mind at the Claremont Institute. His upcoming book is Human Forever, The Digital Politics of Spiritual War. We'll be getting his take on the digital apocalypse. Thanks for joining the podcast, James. How is life on the edge of LA, or dare I say, the edge of the world and all of Western civilization? Yeah, that just about sums it up. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh,
1: nice uh, fall day here um, by, the, by the foothills, crisp, clear air. None of those uh, fires or riots um, or, you know, lockdowns that, uh, that we had this, uh, this time last year. So, progress.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's a nice fall day here in Mexico as well, although it seems like summer all year. I, I basically live in summer, which is nice. Uh, so there's a lot going on. Uh, um, I've got a list here, and you can take us where you want. You know, Cultural decay uh, that we're seeing made manifest and everything from wokeism and cancel culture to the perversion of our youth. We have economic collapse. It feels as if the hyperinflation engine is revving. Some say we're living in a post-democracy world as politicians in countries everywhere are are passing mandates that violate their own constitutions in an attempt to create One-party states, of course, this is technocracy trying to replace democracy, the digital apocalypse, uh, as you call it, which includes the wonderful social credit system with its deplatforming and unpersoning of individuals and now even businesses in both the digital and physical space, essentially Skynet becoming self-aware. And last but not least, the rumblings of war, uh, as always, with China, Iran. Turkey, Israel, Russia, Ukraine, you name it. These are truly exciting times. But, you know, what's most pressing on your mind? Where should we start?
1: Well, maybe we can start with uh, with the war, since that's kind of a discrete topic uh, unto itself. I mean, I don't think there's any question that we are in the midst of a digital war right now, a war of intelligence, a war of databases against databases. Um and uh, a war which uh, is, of course, undeclared, uh, which uh, ordinary citizens <clears throat> do not get to know about and so are unable to deliberate on and unable to practice politics with regard to, uh, which makes it, um, in that sense, even more dangerous than, <clears throat> than a normal war, which, uh, at least, you know, in theory, uh, is, is uh, conducted uh, more or less in the open, uh, open hostilities, as the phrase goes. Uh, the problem is complicated by the fact that um, every uh, state that is large enough to contain within it um, a uh, an organic um, or original civilization um, is faced with the same problem in the digital age, which is uh, <clears throat> which is the problem of how to establish uh, human control within a regime over. Uh, over the bots, over our digital entities, uh, some of which are, are visible, material, concrete things, uh, and many of which are not visible. They are, uh, they are incorporeal. Uh, they they fly through the air with the greatest of ease. Um, they do things that until very recently, uh, only angels or demons were considered able to do. Um, so China, Russia, the US, India, uh, certain European countries to a degree, uh, uh, thinking of themselves in, in more explicitly European terms. Um, India, Israel, uh, these, these civilization states, to borrow a phrase, um, are all racing to figure out um, not just how the people in charge uh, at the moment can uh, can remain in charge as we cross over into the digital age, uh, but how uh, the foundations of order in those uh, civilization states uh, can be set up again, um, put on their feet in a way that is going to be able to sustain through the digital age. Uh, so we're really talking about um, every major country in the world that has the resources and the ability to do so. Uh, and the sovereignty to do so um, uh, simultaneously uh, r- rushing to refound their regimes um, on a footing that is compatible with um, and congruent with digital technology. Uh, that is v- uh, uh, signals a period of tremendous instability. Uh, and I think that is uh, behind, you know that's what's going on behind the scenes of, uh, of the, those currently, uh, nominally in charge in the U S, uh, making really a quite naked show of, uh, racing, um, to consolidate and centralize, uh, their control over every element of life, uh, down to the intimate details. Um, China of course has their social credit system up and running. Uh, the U S has a social credit system already in place right now. You can see it, um, in, in the press, you can see it by sticking your head out the window, um it's it's not something some dystopian future that's around the bend it's something that is already currently being put in place um and so americans find themselves uh waging international wars um in a way that that is largely invisible to them and which they seem to have no uh political influence over uh while at the same time um waging or participating in a, a kind of digital civil war uh we you know there's a lot of talk right now about sort of red states versus blue states and where that all leads uh, I think we need to keep in mind that, you know, the, 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 the divorce, the split, uh, within the country has already taken place on the internet. Uh, and in a digital age, what happens in the computer is more, more important than what happens outside the computer. Um, and, uh, that's gotta be our, our point of departure. I don't think that we're headed for necessarily for a real civil war, uh, you know, an old fashioned civil war, uh, part of the whole craziness and uncanny quality of the digital age is that it, it erases, uh, or deletes, uh, things from real life and moves them into, uh, online life. And, uh, to a degree that's happening with war as well.
0: You tweeted recently, quote, The civil war is already here, as you just said. It's being waged over whether in the digital age everyone will be forcibly ingested into the dehumanizing cyborg social credit system, which is, as you say, also already here. We didn't ask for this war, but the war came. Want to stay human, you must fight, end quote. And I recently came across uh, a great quote where someone said, World War Three will be everybody against their own uh, governments. So, you know, what do we call... This broad war, and, and you know, is is it the social credit system, or that's just a manifestation, one aspect uh, of this? You know, do we call, call it technocracy? You know, great reset? We have all these terms. Uh, you know, what's the what's the big thing we're we're, we're fighting against?
1: Well, so you know, look th- things like the the tweet that you read back, I mean, of course, I stand by this stuff, I spend every day thinking about it, but of course, it's it's Twitter, so it's very compressed, and people who are coming to it fresh can go like, "Oh my God, you know, what are you talking about? This sounds like you're painting a nightmare scenario uh, and what I you know what I what I want to underscore is that this is not a dystopian. Fiction. This is an account of what is already happening, and if it strikes you as something that's horrible, then you should think about the fact that it's already happening, um, and the reason why it's already happening is because circumstances have pushed um, our regime in in this direction, uh, and we need to understand why it is that that has happened. Uh, and if we don't get that right, then we're going to be fumbling, you know, for for the wrong weapons to fight the wrong battles. So you know, you the the the, the most flattering and generous. Um, gloss that you can put on uh, the regime in the US right now is, you know, the, there's been basically one, one and a half generations in America uh, who have been in charge uh, for many decades. Um, they have consolidated their power. Uh, they have consolidated, you know, the, the economy. They've consolidated the financial system. They've consolidated entertainment. Um, and around the turn of the millennium, uh, they... Um, convinced themselves uh, pretty easily that uh, digital devices, digital entities would consummate their global rule, their benevolent, control of the globe. I mean, that's what globalization is. That was, you know, this isn't like some nefarious scheme from the standpoint of someone who's like the US won the Cold War, uh, communism is dead. uh, We need a new world order. And how are we going to structure it in a way that doesn't involve another cycle of, 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 you know, kinetic global military conflict? Uh, well, we'll create these, you know, international institutions and all of our foundations will spin up these NGOs and we'll have all these public-private partnerships and get corporations to, you know, recognize that uh, if they do what the state wants, then the state will basically just print magic money and give it to them. Um and in that in that climate, it made you know it made perfect sense on paper that well you know our military industrial complex and our intelligence community are basically responsible for all the basic research, all the R and D in technology that's going on. Uh, they they farm it out to you know or, or spin off private companies. Uh, Israel does this too. It's it's just kind of the natural thing that um, a powerful regime full of highly educated people willing to work hard and put their work and their intellect um ahead of other considerations like you know ultimately the good of the people or like their family life this is just this is a choice that a lot of these people made um i think it was ultimately made for for reasons of of religious belief you know what do you worship who do you worship what is your concept of of uh of theological matters um and so the American regime uh, wound up in the hands of these folks, who were certain that uh, that the the automated uh, entities, visible and invisible, that they created, uh, would perfect their form of rule over the world, and we would all, in some sense, live happily ever after. Of course, that is not what happened. Uh, and rather than taking responsibility for the fact that they fundamentally misunderstood the nature of knowledge. And the wisdom of creating uh, uh, machines in order to offload their responsibilities onto mathematics, formalized mathematics, Um, instead of taking responsibility for that, uh, what they did instead is they blamed uh, Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Basically, Uh, these people are too human; they have all the the flaws that human beings have. You know, like they're. Ugly. They're unhealthy. They're stupid. They're you know filled with hate. They are easily misled. Just sort of like every possible smear against you know the case against humanity was made very forcefully uh, by these these people. And I think many of them were already primed to believe this because you know if you don't uh, if you don't really believe in God uh, if you're not sort of working off of a, a biblical uh, political playbook. Um, then you are going to have a fairly unflattering view of human beings and their capacities. And it's true that over the course of the past 20 years, uh, religious uh, adherence in America has sunk as well. Um, and so, uh, yes, you know, the, the decadence and, um, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, disaffection among the people form a vicious cycle uh, and, and yet the upshot for, uh, for the ruling actions in America was, uh, it's, it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the people who are the problem. Um, and it's certainly not us, you know, they, it's not, we made these things and this is all the more proof that we need to be in charge of them and not let, uh, the people get their, um, dirty hands on them where they can, you know, say the wrong things, think the wrong things, have the wrong opinions. Um, and basically just, uh, you know, just, uh, become insubordinate, you know, I, I like the, the deplorables was the phrase that was kicked around a lot, but like, what's so deplorable about the deplorables and, uh, ultimately it's that they're insubordinate and thinking is that they're insubordinate because they are, um, they're just a lower, a lower grade of humanity and one that is the human default, um, and so, you know, the the technology needed to create, uh, you know, to sort of terraform people out of their deplorable state into something better uh, seems to be very inefficient. Um, you know, perhaps there isn't enough time. Uh, and, and the ruling factions also recognized that, you know, their efforts to... Uh, to cement a sort of new form of global rule through finance and economics didn't work in 2008. It was a disaster. Um, And that was a humiliation for them. And it put them on notice that uh, what was supposed to be kind of the capstone configuration of their form of rule uh, was fundamentally wrong. Uh, It was, it was a mistake. It was a misapprehension of, of how to, how to do it. And so they looked away from wall street. They looked away from uh, the fed um as much as they needed to flood the system with money it was basically a, a realization that the the economic and financial system needed to become um needed to you know it's sort of like we have to destroy it in order to save it kind of thing uh and they looked at silicon valley um and when uh the upshot of silicon valley you know the first really digital age election was one that that spit out donald trump uh they thought well you know we we created you you are the creature of uh military and intelligence research um, and your, you know, your the way in which you uh, you turned um, technological weapons into uh, tools and toys, entertainment and forms of communication um, has betrayed us. And so, you either fix this, or you know, there will be hell to pay. Um, and we see what's going on with Facebook now, uh, and we see how how quickly and frictionlessly. Uh, Google, Amazon, others are just are moving to get in line. And uh, there's a reason for that. Um, and the reason is uh, the people in charge uh, totally biffed it. <laughs> they blew it. And they will not take responsibility and they will not relinquish power. And uh, And so we have a great reset on our hands instead.
0: Yeah. Back in February 2020, I interviewed Robert Epstein, who testified be, be, uh, before... Congress, who said, you, you know, that Google big tech Silicon Valley is manipulating uh, the election but you know by millions of votes. And he implies that it's possible. His wife died in December of 2020. Um, and he implies that it's possible Google Silicon Valley took her out. Uh, and he called uh, as well. He said that the 2020 was a big tech uh, turning point and that effectively uh, we're living in an unseen dictatorship. And, you know, they, they were going to flip the election, which which I would say they did. Uh, I wanted to go back what, what you mentioned earlier about all these different countries, and this was one of my questions towards the end. You tweeted that, quote, globalism demands China be integrated into a whole world... Uh, into a world whole on Western terms, a paradox which induces insanity. End quote. You know, um, this has been a burning question of mine, as well as some of my guests. How close are Western great reset elites to the Chinese regime? Is China simply uh, a Kissinger Soros, BlackRock, British imperial outpost or, or American franchise, or are they uh, the captains of their own ship? You know, and same goes for Russia as well. It's crazy because this, this week it was reported in the Russian region, they are rolling out clean zones. Where only those vaccinated with QR codes may enter, uh, and Putin this week said he's cordoning off 23 sections of Russia in the name of global warming. So, you know, what are the global geopolitics of the of the Great Reset and, and social credit system?
1: Yeah, this is this is complicated stuff in the details. And uh, it's easy to fall back on patterns of thinking that were established when TV was the most powerful medium of communication, and it is not anymore. Uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, there's there's a lot of hay that can be made, um, just kind of speculating about various what-ifs. And, you know, I, I try to do my level best to focus on what is rather than, than what if. But, you know, all, all that said... Uh, you know again it's it's the reason why we have um, we have ruling factions in this country and elsewhere uh, working so hard in the way that they are to establish sovereign social credit systems uh, is not fundamentally because they are stupid or evil or lizard people or you know fill in the blank with whatever term of abuse uh, deplorable, you know, I mean, they, obviously there are, there are nasty people with bad intentions in positions of power, any at anywhere at any time, this is just a given in human life. And so we should bear that in mind, but, um, but we also need to recognize that this situation that we are in is a consequence of the independent formative effects that our technologies have on our inner and outer lives on how we act, how we think, how we feel our sensibilities, um, maybe even our souls. Um, and amidst that transformation, uh, this is simplifying a bit, but I think it's a helpful simplification. There are basically three responses. One response is to say, um, as the West does that, um, that the, the individual, um, is sacred, uh, and that, um, the source of, uh, the source of, uh, of chaos is an excess of order. So, you know, you look at the pattern of warfare in the West. And it's religious. Religious war is the way of the West. Um, and the the story of the West is the story of power concentrating to a certain point that triggers um, a more or less chaotic collapse. Um, in China, there's a much different attitude uh and you know i think this is more broadly applicable to the east but you know china dominates the east for sure and chinese ways of thinking in this regard are are still very influential in places that hadn't been turned basically over the years into u.s colonies of a sort like japan or 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 south korea um and that that view is the opposite of the western view the it's you know the individual is not sacred um and rather than uh chaos arising from order order arises from chaos so you have the kind of primal chaos uh cosmological mythos of the east and the goal of human life is to uh understand the way uh that leads from chaos to order to balanced harmonious order um in the cosmos and on earth uh, securing the mandate of heaven. Um, that leads to a much different understanding of digital technology than the one in the West. And it leads to a much different uh, to-do list in terms of, of statecraft and geopolitics. Uh, you know, the, Many people in general, and probably many listeners to this podcast uh, are well aware of the steps that China is taking, not just to get social credit hardwired in, um, but a specific kind—one that encourages masculine virtue, uh, one that punishes um, males who uh, who behave in Western ways—and um, what that means, you know, to China, I think, is they look at the West and they, you know, they they see um, Squid Game, they see uh, dangerous delusions, chaotic fantasies um, destabilizing visions and dreams and what they see coming out of the West is an obsession with hallucination, uh, with the disembodied spirit, um, and ultimately, uh, a, a worship of, um, of light. If I can, if I can put it that way, an imbalanced worship of light and an, an inability to understand, Uh, how light and dark must be in balance and how one cannot be in harmony without the other. Uh, And so what you see China doing, and I think this is uh, reflected in, again, it's complicated, but the rise, sort of a return of a Taoist sensibility to uh, the way that top Chinese intellectuals in and out of government are starting to work through this problem. Uh, you know Xi Jinping thought is not Taoism. <laughs> there are some differences there. Uh, there are some tensions. but you know, the Chinese have have basically thrown out their Soviet era uh, translations of Marx and have done their own direct translations. and they believe that it is only really through the Chinese civilization state that the, the lasting ordered harmony uh, between human nature and cosmic nature uh can be achieved um and that's uh that is coloring their approach to digital technology in a way that i do not think is is fully or or well enough understood uh in in the US um the US or anglophone approach uh <laughs> you know look around you and you can see that it's not working very well um the the anglosphere was doing great uh before digital technology became preeminent um, You know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll was very, very Anglophone thing. Uh, You you don't have to just just read my book, you know, to to reflect on how it is that LSD became so so powerful and dominant in the counterculture, or how quickly and thoroughly the counterculture was absorbed back into the establishment culture and used to kind of create a new path. You know, a post biblical uh, culture. Uh, one with tremendous power um, and one that understood that um, nuclear weapons were insufficient to uh, to winning the sort of, you know, the, the, the war against communism for the control of the global left. They needed something more powerful, something that was consistent with their post-biblical faith. Um, and that was digital communications. You know, this is something that can be used as a weapon, um, without having to fire a shot, you can do completely sort of psychological and you know soul level conflict every minute of every day using machines that are automated on all the time, twenty four seven. It has been very effective, uh, and then then it kind of hit it kind of hit an impasse. Um, you had Snowden. Uh, you had China and North Korea and Iran and Russia all ramping up digital operations much more powerful than what America was anticipating. Um, I mean, look at Israel, you know, it, uh, obviously lots of smart people in Israel, but small population really punching above their weight. They, If you just take a cursory look at what they've been able to do digitally with, with flipping military and intelligence technology into profitable corporations, I mean, they they figured it out. Uh, And when you look at the track record of five eyes, you know, you get a headache. I mean, yes, there are patriots in the the intelligence agencies. Yes, many of them actually care about their country and want to see it thrive. And some of them even want to see, you know, the people of the United States um, happy and healthy and and flourishing. Uh, But it is it is insufficient to uh, to blame the. Terrible track record of Five Eyes in terms of intelligence prediction and and reaction on the capabilities of you know our adversaries and enemies to, to do nasty stuff on the internet. Um, there is a soul sickness at the top of the regime in the U.S. and in the U.K. I mean, look at Australia. Like these things betoken a profound sickness. Of soul and alienation from the soul. And, you know, these things are not often discussed because they seem to be a little bit gauzier and harder to pin down than, you know, some of the, the more, um, uh, f- uh, uh, edgy claims, uh, c- out there about, you know, the various cabals and, you know, uh, who's really controlling everything. And, you know, uh, it's inevitable that people are going to be thinking these thoughts because so much of the command and control structure of the regime that they live in is hidden. It is behind the curtain uh but rather than going down those those particular rabbit holes um what is needed most of all right now is to recognize that uh there the race is on to um reestablish control over the machines and that the people in charge in the west have become convinced that the only way to do that is to embrace basically a cyborg future uh one in which our humanity is um is at best just a piece of the puzzle and you know ideally for them is one where the doors to transhumanism are open. Uh, where you know technolo- technology, it's kind of takes takes the place of the soul in in the human being, and going beyond just uh, sort of augmenting or supplementing our capabilities, we go to supplanting or or replacing our human capabilities and our human identity. Uh, this is you know this is the terminal point of what China sees as so terrible about the West is this kind of uh, gnostic um, obsession with uh, with. Uh, with immortality, uh, with purity, with liberating um, the the universal power of consciousness from the imperfections of the body and the errancy of the soul. Uh, so that's what's at stake, and uh, and the best way that we can face up to this and do something about it um, is by just taking the the immediate, obvious, practical steps that we can take. Uh, to return to ordinary people the ability to use the most powerful technologies that we have, um, and I, I would say that right now the best way to do that, uh, the best way to get databases into the hands of ordinary people that they can use to create uh, valuable and, and memorable things um, and, and share them and partake in them together uh, on you know through digital technology is uh, is ultimately Bitcoin
0: yeah and just to comment on I think you put it very well, you know the the people at the top of the regime, the regimes around the world are are sick. you know, we had Australia announcing the health chief there. I forget her name saying we're gonna have to wear masks for years forever, basically, and you know people now can't leave their states uh in Australia. I saw yesterday they have this basically an internal Soviet passport system now where you can't go between uh, states in australia even myself now as a u.s citizen here in mexico i individually i can still cross you know not being um uh, injected but my wife is is not a u.s citizen so this means they just put these rules this week that said by land and by air foreigners cannot enter uh without the um injection so that, that means like I can't go with my family now, back to the U S which, I mean, the the people putting these systems into place are, it's crazy. And you're a very uh, optimistic person, which, which is uh, what I like about you, your, your writings and, and, um, I wanted to just get your thought real quick before we talk about Bitcoin and some of the solutions, decentralization, you know, on cancel culture, on social credit system. You know, I've talked to Michael Rechtenwald from the center-right conservative libertarian-ish side. I've talked to Dan Kovalik from the center-left progressive liberal-ish side. Uh, So there's some on the left who are starting to freak out as well. Um, A few, though, I think a a lot from the left are promoting this uh, system and they're all all right with it. the only big tech platform I see you using is Twitter, but let's say James, you know, your Twitter account gets nuked. Uh, let's say the same, ha- same happens for American mind and Claremont uh, Institute. I don't know if you use Gmail, but let's say your Gmail account and, you know, uh, associated account is uh, YouTube account is disabled. That, that happened to Jordan Peterson a few years ago. You know, uh, what would you do? How, how, how do you react? How bad will this get? Because I'm reading reports of people's bank accounts being closed in the U S uh, being put on a no-fly list, being, uh, blocked from even like Uber and Airbnb and that, that sort of thing. So, you know, how bad can this get? Uh, and, and, you know, how would you react? Well, there's no upper bound to how bad it can get.
1: Um, and, and, and as, as sad and alarming as that is, um, freaking out is not going to solve the problem. Uh, it's not even going to ameliorate the problem, uh, this is why we need a, a second amendment for compute, basically. Uh, it is not possible at this stage in our technological development uh, to preserve our humanity um, if ordinary people cannot uh, participate in and control uh, the, the basic elements of um, the foundational technology in our lives. Um, and so when, uh, I mean, you, you, these guys are coming out of the woodwork, you know, like someone like Mo Godot, um, who's like one of these ex Googlers, uh, who has a book out and, you know, and he's freaking out. I'm so scared. We're creating God with these machines, you know, we suck. These machines are so much better than we are. Like, I mean, to be honest, this person to me has no standing to propose any kinds of solutions. Uh, to a problem that he was too whatever, ignorant, uh, delusional uh, uh, well-paid disenchanted whatever it is Uh, he and many like him did not see this coming, they did not understand what they were doing, they do not have any kind of uh, serious education into the meaning and the existence of the soul, what it is to be alive, what it is to be human, um, how formal cause works. You know, they just they don't know their Aristotle. They don't understand how uh, human beings can create things, tools, machines uh, that have an independent uh, effect on um, on our identity, how we think, feel, act, perceive. They just they just didn't get it, and they're trying to catch up, and they're trying to catch up by scaring people. Um, into giving the state uh, unilateral comprehensive power to, uh, to decide um, how they will be ruled by machines. Um, the only way <laughs> to prevent that from happening uh, is for uh, people to create the tools and the resources that ordinary citizens can use uh, to self-govern um, and to participate uh, together um, independently and through their own initiative in the creation and establishment of, of culture and of markets. This is, you know, in some ways this is, this is a very foreign terrain that we're stumbling into, but in other ways it's the same as it always has been. Uh, human beings are political creatures. We are alive. We are incarnate. We are in And uh, if we cannot engage in political life, uh, we cannot be fully human. Um, and if we do not have uh, control over the space-time in which we exist, human space-time, then we are being controlled by entities that belong to a different space-time. And we're already on our way there. I mean, you, you look at, you know, we, we are, we've had uh, distributed real-time databases for a long time. 5G is coming. That means zero latency. That means, you know, theoretically, all the machines can communicate with all the other machines instantaneously around the world forever. Um, Human space time is being collapsed. And cyborg space time is is on the rise. Uh, I'm not the one who's going to say, you know, throw the the wooden shoes into the gears, uh, burn down the data centers. Ted Kaczynski was right. Like, that's not my message. And it's not going to be my message. Uh, because the, you know, the the technology is assuredly not neutral. It does have specific effects, effects that we can understand and that we can trace and that we can, uh, we can warn ourselves about before it's too late. Uh, but at the same time, you know, technology, uh, some of it is, 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 is akin to a weapon. Some of it is akin to plumbing and some of it is akin to both. You know, you can definitely grab a length of lead pipe and do some real damage with it. So, uh, so, if we're going to make it, if we're going to make it, we need to understand the nature of these uh, these entities that now swarm over our world. Uh, we need to understand that their organizational form is the swarm, and we need to understand that uh, that a, a regime that rules and orders through swarm management is one that is incompatible with, uh, with the American way of life, with, um, a Republican form of government, uh, and with the constitutional, um, uh, order that we supposedly live under today. I mean, I think these are just really quite simple and, uh, and, and almost dispassionate facts of the matter. Um, and people are afraid to, to make these assessments because they don't either, they don't Understand what to do, or they feel like it's too late for them to be properly educated, or they think that you know there's something you know quote unquote fake and gay about trying to fight in some way. Um, there are many reasons uh, why fatalism and passivity are sinking so deeply into the souls of so many people. Many reasons why. Uh, so many people, younger, quote unquote, younger people, when they're polled, say, you know, well, uh, ultimately, um, if I had to choose between like a crappy real life and a nice fake life in the multiverse, like sign me up, shoot me into the multiverse, beam me up, Scotty. Uh, Mark Andreessen, you know, a, a very intelligent man um, who's very perceptive about certain elements of this world that we're entering into, um, gave an interview. Uh, a while back, where he said, Look, reality is overrated. It's been 5,000 plus years of trying to make reality work for most people, and it, the track record's not so good. And so, you know, it's time to build means it's time to build virtual worlds. Um, on the one hand, uh, it's true that things have sunken to such a level in the real world. Uh, that the uh, most uh, direct and welcoming place for uh, individuals and groups who want to um, create institutions that are um, properly uh, organized for a digital age, that's, that's the virtual world. That's the frontier that you can sort of you know, ride off into with your, with your bros and build. It's harder to do that in real life than it has been in a long time. Um, at the same time, uh, if you forsake reality, you are forsaking your humanity, and uh, I don't think that things have gotten to that point quite yet, where we are obliged to do that. Uh, and in fact, you know, I would say that um, that forsaking reality and forsaking uh, that forsaking reality and therefore forsaking our humanity um, is exactly. Uh, you know, what, uh, what we are being um, uh, deviously encouraged to do, even when it appears that, you know, well, it's for a good cause or, well, you know, it's, it's only so that we can fight fire with fire. Uh, Would that it were so simple. It's not that simple. Um, There are so many uh, messages being pumped out of the regime and its allies About various crises, whether it's climate or whiteness or whatever, many, 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 many crises, Um, and all of these crises are ultimately portrayed. I mean, of course, the pandemic, you know, as as a threat to to our lives, and yeah, you know, it's good to be alive, definitely. Warts and all, even even with suffering. Suffering is is inextricable from life. We have to learn to, uh, you know, to we we need to return to an understanding of suffering that is compatible with with life. Um, but at the same time, it you know even more important uh, than than the body count is our humanity. And if we, you know, if you think of the trolley meme, and on one track is like, well, some people might die, and then the other one is, well, we might have our humanity disfigured or distorted out of recognition for the indefinite future. I mean, we need to remember and we need to be reminded of why it is that preserving our humanity is still yet even more important than preserving our life and limb.
0: And so that kind of brings us to where going forward, you know, what are practical things that that we can do um, to resist uh, I know in our in our lives uh, every day i i want to add maybe one reason that people uh for for pe- that people don't want to kind of face what's going on is i i think it's a bit of a weakness maybe cowardice as well because then they have to realize how, you know they have to do something and it's re- it's really tough and it takes a certain you know grit and and, and metal to go uh, against this as our forefathers have every generation. Um, I see you're publishing your forthcoming book on a website called canonic.nyz where people will be able to buy it with crypto. Um, and this model seems uh, censor censorship proof. You know, w- you know, what are the hopes, dreams, fears for you regarding whether it's Bitcoin or the, the endless uh, forms of crypto that we have out there, or, or other technologies, we've got uh, 3D printing, uh, which gives you the possibility, you know, a lot of do-it-yourself kind of stuff. And you know, what's the what's what's the what are some practical uh, things for you going forward? How how do we resist? Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, the
1: idea isn't just to resist. The idea is to get on with the business of living. And uh, the the site that you mentioned is actually canonic.xyz, like the last three letters of the alphabet. Um, it was uh, founded by, uh, by a good friend of mine who, you know, was an, an ex-Googler himself, but uh, he, he was there young enough um, and came from Albania. So he already had a sort of pre-modern mindset. Uh, so that by the time he was done with his tour of duty, he realized sort of what the stakes were and what the alternatives were. And so uh, an author came to him and said, "You know, hey, it would be amazing if, uh, if uh, authors could, you know, could just do it themselves and do it in a way that, uh, that couldn't be uh, deleted or edited or uh, put through you know, layers of gatekeepers. And so Canonic uh, was created uh, so that anyone can self-publish uh, on to the blockchain um, and uh, put their book up for sale um, in, in Bitcoin. Uh, it's also possible on Canonic to NFT your book, uh, which I will be doing in, in a couple weeks. Uh, if you are listening, to this podcast and have a desire to know in advance um, exactly what is happening with the book, when it's becoming available, how to access the NFT offerings and when the book goes on sale, just go on over to humanforever.us, humanforever.us and you can just plop in your email address and you will be in the know. Um, so you know, why am I doing this? I mean, the, the book, you know, human forever itself. Um, makes the claim that, you know, there's this old, uh, this old kind of poem, uh, a very short poem, um, at the kind of the height of, uh, British imperialism. Um, and that, that poem runs as follows, whatever happens, we have got the Maxim gun and they have not. And that was kind of how, you know, the, the Victorian gentleman would laugh about, uh, about the way that British imperialism worked, you know, either you found yourself in, the middle of Africa, about to be wiped out by a an army of uh, of locals, or you found yourself in the same situation with a machine gun, um, and so uh, there was a recognition that you know certain technologies can make or break uh, your ability to uh, to move about in the world doing what you want. Uh, now, our situation is, of course, much different from the situation of the British Imperials. Uh, that was, you know, the electric age, um, that was an age of, um, of the worship of the will. It was an age of the worship of light. It was an age of occultism. Um, all of these things that resulted really from people suddenly being immersed in this bath, this surround of electric technology, uh, radio telegraph on and on, um, and it, uh, and it, it inspired, uh, you know, many, many Europeans to try to take over the world um, and to create a, a kind of um, technological heaven on earth through uh, electricity. You know, you, you look back to, uh, to Cecil Rhodes, um, whose Rhodes scholarship is still alive and well. Um, and there's a famous, uh, I forgot if it was a lithograph or an etching or what it was, uh, of, of Rhodes, the Rhodes Colossus uh, bestriding the continent of Africa with one foot in Cape Town and one foot in Cairo. Uh, and this is remembered as this, you know, oh, this this large adult white man sort of, you know, flexing on Africa. Um, And that's part of it, of course. But what is forgotten or excluded is that why was he straddling the continent in this way? And why did he have his arms aloft over his head? And what was in his hands stretching from Cairo to Cape Town? The telegraph. It was electricity. It was all about the medium and the consequences of the medium. And so the situation that we're in today is not an imperialistic one. It is one of uh, defense. It is one of establishing uh, the preservation and protection of uh, our human faculties and our human institutions um, it is one where the the key frontier is one of inwardness not of thrusting outward um, and so you know the 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 jingle or the limerick that, that I would use today is you know whatever happens we have got a data center and they have not if you do not have a data center if you are not computing then you are being computed you are in someone else's data center uh, and the best way that um, that ordinary Americans can uh, participate. Uh, in the uh, control of data centers, you know, telling the computers what to do. You've got these swarms of these digital entities. They don't care about our fears and hopes and dreams. They're just doing what what they do. And what they do is they interoperate. That's what digital entities want. That's what technology wants. Human beings don't want interoperability. They want incommensurability, at least in the West. You know, I am me and you are you and we each have our souls and we're all human beings. But what part of what makes us human is that we are specifically who we are. And so if you want to control the data centers, you want to tell the the swarm what to do without uh, turning against our humanity and treating people as if they are not humans. Um, Bitcoin is sitting right there. It's something people can use right now. They can use it not just to kind of stack sats and hold coin, which, you know, if you want to do that, like nothing's stopping you. But the real the real power of of Bitcoin As a tool and as a defensive weapon and as a a way of standing our human vitality back up in a digital age is that it can be used to to create communities and to protect communities and to strengthen our, our shared memory, our personal memory. To restore the connective tissue between people, uh, to uh, encourage and to reward uh, what you know, what Alexis de Tocqueville called the reciprocal action of one heart upon another, which he warned, you know, this is back in the mid 1800s, as the electric age was just getting started. He warned that you know, for people like us, if that connective tissue breaks down, uh, then we are basically just going to spiral into self enclosure uh, and and uh, toxic reflexivity. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening. So you know, there, it's a it's a messy world out there. A lot is in flux. It's a jump ball to to remake the 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 world and and parts of it uh, in in the digital image. And uh, there's there's really no opting out at this point. You know, if you want to go live in a monastery, go ahead, live in the monastery. Uh, but but recognize that you know we can have Bitcoin monasteries too, and uh, everyone can find a role, whether it's having kids or not having kids, you know, family formation or not. Um, there are many paths, uh, and one of the the powerful things about Bitcoin is it allows people who pursue many different paths in their own lives uh, to work together, as as you do in a in a true culture, uh, to build things that. That aren't going to be built in in one day but are going to last and be durable and provide a foundation and a fortress for our flourishing for centuries to come
0: Uh, I read an interview recently of the president of Claremont uh, Ryan Williams uh, that he gave to the Atlantic and he says Claremont's mission is to save western civilization which is part of what you're uh, doing do you have any other or final thought to leave us with
1: uh humanforever.us, humanforever.us, please, you know, please go check it out. I mean, why am I doing this? You know, why, why bother? Uh, Back right before COVID, um, I was thinking pretty seriously about writing a much different book, Um, uh, a book based on sort of more straight ahead political stuff that I'd been doing for a number of years, kind of in the area of, Governments turning uh, to uh, kind of bio bio biosecurity as a way of establishing legitimacy um, in the wake of uh, the battle in Seattle. You know, there's there's obviously a whole lot of dismay uh coming out of the post 9 11 era where a lot of the leadership class said you know oh it's it's radical islamic terrorism that's our great global foe now and we're just basically going to do uh another world war basically um and if we don't do this you know they hate us for who they are it's an existential conflict and it should define us Uh, but no one really believed and no one to this day believes that Uh, that political Islam poses a true existential threat to the West. Uh, Maybe in parts of Europe, there's a little bit of greater concern and okay, but you know, even taking into account all this, uh, African migration. I mean, it's not. It's still ultimately not a tidal wave of uh, of jihadis coming to extend the caliphate deep into Europe. There are there are issues there, and of course they're there. And I don't mean to to discount any of the facts in that area, but the fact remains that Islam is not seen uh, by by our our ruling factions or by ordinary people as. Tantamount to what communism was in the Cold War, or even you know, uh, on on the level of a, a competitor as as China. Uh, but what um, what the uh, the establishment did uh, come to believe was a a comprehensive threat to their regime uh, was was um, rooted in uh, and based in uh, the far left in the 1990s. And so when you had the battle in Seattle, you know, you had this sort of proto-antifa, proto-black block anarchists decked out head to toe in black using technology to engage in swarm tactics and to basically humiliate, you know, the new world order uh, and to make it seem like it might be impossible to, to do things like complete the WTO and uh, and bring that kind of uh, you know Davos-led World Economic Forum-style infrastructure into being. Um, that was an existential threat, um, and so that regime figured out uh, that it needed to strike some kind of bargain with the far left. Uh, and the bargain that was struck was the one that we see today in the form of wokeness. You know, how do you get people who? How do you get people to go from uh, from uh, vandalizing a Starbucks? and hating international corporations, uh, to, uh, to celebrating corporations, to wanting to sign their lives basically over to corporations, you know, maybe I'll have a a cat or something, but, you know, forget having kids, forget like giving back to my community, forget any kind of church life. Uh, My corporation is my church. My corporation is my family. How do you make, how do you execute that swing in the space of 20 years? That's a very compressed period of time. Uh, And part of that has to do with the way that technology has reshaped uh, people's perceptions and sensibilities. But a lot of it does have to do with a concerted effort on the part of the regime, which is very nervous, uh, to get those people on board. And in fact, to then use those people to create a new foundation for a new kind of regime. Uh, A regime which on the face of it was, you know, oh, we're gay friendly. Oh, we're eco-friendly. Oh, this is all very, very touchy-feely and very warm, fuzzy. And that's not where it stopped, you know, and it still hasn't stopped yet. And where it has gone is like, oh, well, you know, the, the pride flag now needs some extra stripes and things are going to get a little more complicated and the algorithm is changing. And ultimately, you know, when people are, are using technology to transform physically their, their sex or their gender, Uh, This is no longer about like sexual preference or sexual identity. The sex is just the vehicle and the destination is transhumanism. Uh, the destination is uh, is is a cyborg social credit system where if you accept the way that the regime remakes you, you are rewarded with a point or a million, you know, as many points as you can, as you can gather. And if you refuse, then then you get negative infinity social credit points. I mean, this is this is where we have gotten to, and this is why we have gotten there. Um, but the the initial book project before, uh, COVID that I was, you know, there was some interest. I had an editor, I had an agent, there were emails going around, um, was really focused on, you know, kind of just unpacking that, that narrative of the, you know, from the battle of Seattle, battle in Seattle to today, it wasn't primarily focused on technology. It was primarily focused on, you know, the, the objectives and, and the political strategies, of the, 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 uh, the expert left elite, um, as they, uh, figured out how to, uh, turn the far left populist left from, uh, enemies to, you know, loyal foot soldiers and worshipers. Um, and, you know, that was interesting enough. And I think that I was, you know, I stand by how, how far ahead of the curve I was in sort of laying that stuff out. I'd been writing about it on and off since 2008 or so um but by the time uh by the time uh covid really gave me a minute to sort of sit at home and and have a good think um the realization came pretty quickly that you know if If a political theorist, you know, I've got a PhD in political theory, that should mean something still, right? That should be an indicator of, you know, of some level of competence to to raise the right issues and to talk about them in a way that is going to be clearly significant and helpful to people. So, if a political theorist, if a doctor of political theory doesn't have anything to say about what technology is doing to us and why, then then that's you know one of many academic disciplines that deserves to die. That's just obsolete. Um, and furthermore, if all I can do is just say stuff, I mean you can, you know, go on Amazon, go into Barnes and Noble. Like every minute of every day, go on Twitter. These young guys, they wake up, they log on, and they're like, no, you must listen to me. I know they're not really like this time, this time I'll really explain the world. Like, come on, guy. And it's just logaria, and it's, um, it's information overload. and there's no way for people to, to experience how that content can give them purchase on the context in which they find themselves. And so I felt really compelled, you know, I felt like I had a duty um, in a couple of different ways to myself, to my family, to my, you know, to my mentors, uh, my professors, to my country, to my civilization, to God. like, it's a long list, a duty to write a book about that. Um, and to really kind of, you know, put put everything else to one side and to focus very, um, calmly, but very frankly on why we are, where we are, how we got there and what we can do about it and to make clear to people that there is something they can do about it. And then to go that one final step and say, you know, this isn't just another book on the bookshelf. Uh, This is a book that's going to be presented to you in, and is going to be sold and offered in a way that embodies models, the message of the book. Uh, it's a proof of, you know, not just of work on my end, but it's a proof of concept. Um, and, uh, so that's why, uh, that's why it's on canonic and, um, that's why it's, it's on chain. And, you know, this is, this should be exciting. This is an opportunity that everyone can get involved in. Um, if, uh, if they have the courage to do so.
0: All right. I can't wait to purchase Human Forever when it comes out. Uh, I've signed up at humanforever.us or .us. Your Twitter is uh, at James Polis. Of course, there's AmericanMind.org and Claremont.org. Everyone subscribe to all of James' uh, channels now. And thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thanks so much. real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account, Facebook has restricted our page, and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, Bitshoot, and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app. To help keep this podcast alive, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.